Hey, welcome to the Swap Moto Live Show presented by Ogeo Power Sports and FMF Racing. I'm Don Maeda, and I'm joined today by Ricky Brabeck, who just pretty much got home from Saudi Arabia from winning uh, the, the 2020 Dakar Rally. So, like, do I have to like, call you sir now, or are you, like, no. have a special title? No, no, just uh, Ricky's fine, normal person. <laughs> <laughs> this was just another day at the office. Just another day at the office. It's It's... It's it's kind of funny to hear you just downplay it like it's just another race, but Dakar is considered by most people in motorsports to be the largest race in the world, right? Yeah, the most prestigious race in the world. Um, you know, it's it hasn't been really well known here in America. Mm -hmm. um, you know, now since I've been in the Dakar uh, last year, obviously we were really close. So I think it's been on the radar in America, and I think uh, you know people are starting to watch it and. Uh, get connected to it a little bit more it is only once a year that it's on tv so that's what makes it so prestigious you know there's 360 something days before we can go back and do it again yeah and uh yeah to be to bring it home is is really nice yeah so how does a guy from the high desert of southern california end up racing rallies all over all over the world that i don't know um you know i started out uh, racing bicycles as a kid mm -hmm. um, we moved to the high desert when i was about 15 went to uh did my first like off-road race in 2007 was a hare and hound which mm -hmm. is i have two championships in uh you know it's all with uh flags and arrows and dangers yeah um ever since then you know i was going to baja checking it out best in desert checking it out and then 2015 i got a phone call from quinn cody asking me if i would be interested in learning rally mm -hmm. so it kind of started there and then I went to my first rally in 2015 with uh, HRC. Mm -hmm. They liked me, so they brought me back again. And then they liked my second audition, I guess. Yeah. And then they brought me back again, which would be 2016 Dakar, which was my first Dakar. Mm -hmm. And uh, before this year was my first Dakar and the only Dakar I finished out of the last five years until 2020. The invitation to do rally, was rally something you had your sights on eventually or was it just kind of like, oh, yeah, that's a cool opportunity. I'll do that. I mean, because it's that's got to be a daunting invitation. I mean, rally's a big thing. Yeah, and uh, you know, rally. S some of us watch rally. You know, we watch Dakar every year. I was watching Dakar. You know, it was really cool. We were watching Robbie Gordon, Quinn Cody, mm -hmm. Johnny Campbell. Uh, you know, in my era of watching it, it was really nice. You know, but at that time, it's like, how do you? How does a a guy from California? or America, make it there, you know? Yeah. From what I saw, it was like, man, it's really expensive. You know, the bikes aren't even the same as what mm -hmm. we ride. Yeah, I got the call and I was like, I jumped right on it, you know? No hesitation, I just went for it, you know? I told Quinn, I'm like, yeah, I'll learn, you know? It sounds fun. Yeah. And uh, we, we went for it, but it's not, it's not something that you can just go drive your truck to, pull your bike out, sign up, race, and go home. You know, mm -hmm. it's, a, it's a big program to, yeah, to get many onto. How many people were, because I saw the victory photo, right? And it looked like 50 people involved in it. I mean, what, what is the staff like that's involved in putting a rally effort? Yeah, so um, us as HRC, we bring about 35 people. Wow. Yeah, and like every rider has a helper. So my helper is Johnny Campbell. Mm -hmm. Every rider has a mechanic. And then obviously there's like a rider manager, a team manager. Um, we bring, you know, a couple Japanese that actually like, uh, built the bike, you know, from scratch. Mm -hmm. We have an engine guy, chassis guy, 
we have basically a guy for every part of the motorcycle. Then we have our parts truck. Parts truck has a helper. We have a chief mechanic. Uh, we have, you know, two massage therapists. We have a media guy. Mm -hmm. And we, it, it takes a, it takes like a family, like a small village to get yeah. this to go because it's a traveling circus. And every day we go uh, point A to point B. It's not like a stationary spot where we just race out of every single day. So mm. we have to have all these people unload everything, load everything back up, drive the next day. So it's, it, it, like I said, it's a moving circus. Yeah. It takes a lot of people. What was the learning curve like? I mean, you know, two national hair and hound championships, you know, obviously amazing motorcycle rider, but there's things to learn about strategy and planning and reading the terrain. I'm sure that was all new to you. Yeah, there's a lot to learn. Um, breeding terrain comes from national hair and hounds yeah. or just trail riding in the hills. Uh, motocross is also good for some practice. You know, it's motocross is good for, you know, every kind of discipline that you're into. Uh, rally, the strategy, it's, I've been doing it five years, you know, so mm -hmm. I've been learning every year. You learn how to do it and how to do something different or how to make it easier. Uh, definitely, you know, you want to place yourself in a good position for the next day. So that's part of the strategy. Mm -hmm. uh, you need to know what day you can push, what day you can lose a little bit of time, because in reality, you don't really want to open the stage, meaning you don't want to start first because there's no tracks. You have to fry your brain by reading the road book and, mm -hmm. and really concentrating extra. Where if you start back, you have a couple lines in front of you. You know, there's we're, we're racing through sand dunes, uh, sand washes, mm -hmm. just the desert. So it's not like there's a lot of people out there riding motorcycles. So obviously, you know, seeing a motorcycle line, you're like, ah, I'm, we need to go this way. Mm -hmm. So there's there's a lot of strategy, you know, and you learn over the years. Obviously, five years, I've kind of figured it out, but. I have Johnny that can also help me and Jimmy Lewis that can help me along with like our rider manager that can help me. Hey, you need to push this day or you need to like slow down a little bit. Mm -hmm. But uh, it, it, it's a lot. It's not just racing wide open, you know, yeah. every day. When you say you don't want to go out first, it's not a mass start, right? It's like people are on time. But how do you uh, earn your starting time? Like, you know, yeah, yeah. don't want to go first. Yeah. So... Each, each day you finish is your starting position for the next day. Yeah. So the, the top 10 guys start three minutes apart. 10 to 20 start one minute apart, and then 20 on is 30 seconds every two bikes. So if I start first and you start 10th, and you catch me in the stage somehow mm -hmm. because I make a mistake, you just made 30 minutes on me basically. Mm-hmm. So your goal is when you start first, your goal is to obviously go as fast as you can and make no mistakes because there's people behind you that can follow your tracks and it's mm -hmm. much easier. Mm -hmm. So you- So in is there qualifying? How do you sandbag so you're not the first guy out every day? Uh, how, do you, how do you sandbag? No, but you, I mean, yeah, like yeah. the first day at the start of it, say. The first, you, have, you can't do anything about that. Okay. Is it like a luck of the draw thing? No, it's like so- this year was the top 25 elite riders mm -hmm. started in reverse order. Okay. So it went 25, 24, you know, and so on to one. So Toby was number one. He started last on the whole day. Mm -hmm. So he had, you know, a lot of tracks. I started, I was number nine, so I was 14 or something to go. Mm -hmm. um, so after that, you just get through the first day. And then after that, you know, your strategy can start playing in like, 
you know, I, I pushed this day and I pushed that day. Now I'm opening tomorrow because I just won. Mm. And I know that there's people that are 12, 15 minutes behind me that are gonna catch me. Yeah. So now, now that they start in front of you the following day, you, now you're back. Now typically, yeah, you, you're gonna push to try to catch time. But uh, when you get closer to the end, you need to have strategy so you're not starting in the front losing time. Yeah. So normally we have fuel stops and we have 15 minutes. And our GPS, you know, is, you know, yay big. We have 15 minutes, you can get fuel and if your other components or your other, you know, people are there that you need to beat or you need to catch, mm -hmm. you check their, their GPS time to see like how much time you've made up or how much mm -hmm. time you've lost. Because if you don't want to start first the next day, then you need to, on the second part of stage, you need to hold back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And if you're like, man, they're, they're smoking me today. The second part, you need to like really push. Yeah. Wow. Sounds like a lot to learn, man. It's, <laughs> it's a lot. Yeah. Wait, we're going to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors, but uh, we'll be back for more with Ricky Bravet. Hey guys, welcome back to the Swap Moto Live Show presented by OGO Power Sports and FMF Racing. Here with uh, Dakar winner Ricky Brabeck. So, okay, a few months ago, we're at Milestone, I'm riding, and you go blowing by me on your full rally bike, right? And you pass me in this tight turn. I had time to look over and see all the stuff on your handlebars and the roll chart and all that. I guess we'll talk about you riding at a local track on that later, but there is so much going on in your handlebars. And so in addition to hauling ass, avoiding rocks, flying in a ditch, you have to like navigate and read off this chart and stuff, right? Yeah. That's gnarly. Yeah, um, you know, it's, it's a navigation tower. So at top of the tower, we have an odometer. And then next to the odometer, we have a, a cap heading or a cap meter, which is a cap heading, you know, from zero to 360. Um, under that, we have our roll chart, which is paper, mm -hmm. um, you know, has an odometer. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah. It has a odometer on the left. Uh, the middle has like an arrow of what direction you're gonna go. And then on the far right box, it's uh, dangers or just additional information. Then below that, you know, we have another ICO, which you can have a, sp a speedometer or a mileage, but I use a speedometer. Mm -hmm. And then below that, actually mounted to our bars, is a GPS unit that I was talking about with the time. Yeah. That eventually we get an arrow only when we get a certain amount of meters to a waypoint and yeah. then between waypoint to waypoint there's no there's no arrow like we're just navigating and uh 
On the handlebars, we have a thumb switch for our roll chart that we have to match our mileage up to. Yeah. And then uh, next to our thumb switch, we have like uh, speed control buttons for speed zones. Then we have a, like buttons to adjust our odometer. Then we have a button to change our, our uh, clock slash speedometer slash odo. Mm -hmm. And then we have you know, a fuel switch for front tanks or back tanks. And then we have um, a, a, mapping, a mapping switch. So we have like traction control or no traction control. How do you look at all that stuff when you're going 100 miles an hour and it's bouncing up and down, right? That's the hard part. Like when you're on a rough, a rough road that has like the chatter bumps. Yeah. yeah your tower's just like, you're, you're trying to read it, you know? <laughs> uh, but after the years, uh, after, you know, training, yeah, you, yeah. you just learn, you learn like when to look down and what to look at when you're looking down. So, mm -hmm. I mean, if you're going to go out your first time, you're going to be like this the whole time, you know, like you don't know what you're, <laughs> you're going to be looking at the paper and not looking where you're going. But yeah, eventually you get more immune to it. And uh, yeah, you're gonna, you're gonna go and when you can look down, you're gonna look down at the odometer, look back up and look down and see like what the cap heading is, just mm -hmm. so you can like, when you get there, you can see what direction you're gonna go. Yeah, wow. And obviously you're gonna look for dangers. <laughs> <laughs> so you said there's like a danger dial or something or it tells you of hazards? Yeah, in the road book, in, in the, you know, on the paper, it'll put, so the dangers are exclamation points. Mm -hmm. uh, single danger is one, doubles two, triples three, and then like three is the worst. Um, two sometimes, sometimes you slow down for them, and sometimes you don't. Mm -hmm. And then one normally, depending on who made the roadbook, normally one you don't even lift or anything. It's just like yeah. a small, small undulation or something. What is a, a typical three? Typical Not three is like, yeah, like if you're going down a fast road, a typical three would be like a 12 foot deep rain rut across the whole thing. Like something that'll really put you in the hospital or something. Yeah. Wow. Have you had any close calls in the rallies with a, like something like that? I've had close calls in the rallies with stuff that's not even marked as a danger. Really? Yeah. Uh, this rally, 2020, no, I had my closest call was in a corner going 20 miles an hour was like a rain rut, you know? And I was just going slow. It was like a U-turn and I just hit it and the bike bottomed out and like kind of bounced up. But other than that, uh, no dangers. My, my bike hit the ground two times and was in the sand dunes both times. Yeah, I read an uh, article about the rally and, and you said that you gave your mechanic back a perfect bike every night because you only, only had two tip overs in the sand. Yeah, uh, you know, my mechanic, Henry Norman, we, he gave me a perfect bike every morning and I delivered a perfect bike to him every evening. I think we, we smashed three skid plates, I think, and that, that was it. Other than that, change oil, filter, tires. Yeah. No scratches, nothing. It was the perfect rally. Okay, when you tip over in the sand, like how much does that bike weigh with all that stuff on it? I know it's probably lighter than we would all assume, but is it tough to get it back up? Yeah, it, when you fall over like in a soft spot, like a soft patch, and you're like definitely on like a peak of a dune, dude, to pick that bike up, you know, cause you're not gonna pick it up from standing above it. You know, you gotta go under it, yeah. swing it around, pick it up. It's 400 pounds. Oof. Yeah. It's heavy. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes you get it up like a little bit on your side and it's already started and in gear. You pick it up, get it on your side, and then you just like, throttle out of it so like that way to like stand up for yeah, you yeah. and then you and then you're running next to your bike and you just jump on it 
Okay, so it's the rally was 12 days, right? Yeah. And how many hours a day are you in the saddle, typically? In the saddle, each day, minimum eight hours. Eight hours. Yeah. Okay, so when you're hauling ass, do you like pull over to go to the bathroom or are you wearing like a catheter thing out your boot or are you just wet in your pants? Uh, okay, I've never peed my pants in the rally. Yeah. I don't wear a catheter. Some people do. Yeah. But in the special, we have sometimes some speed zones. So it's weird and people are gonna laugh at me, but in a speed zone, sometimes I like put my knee on the seat and like unzip my pants while I'm in the speed zone. And then I just pee like all over the side of my bike. Uh -huh. And then I'm like in the speed zone trying to like zip my pants up, you know? Uh, but I know my teammate Nacho peed in his pants, so uh -huh. I, I don't know if I can do that. Yeah. I feel like I would get like a brash, you know, like, yeah, like monkey, butt, going, right? monkey butt would be way worse if you peed, you know? What if you ate like some like spicy nachos the night before? Oh, yeah, I've never had that problem at a rally, <laughs> but I could imagine, dude, because you're, you're on the bike all day, you know, sometimes you're sitting down and it's like, if you're trying to hold it and sitting down, you're like, you yeah. know? Yeah. Um, but normally, you know, we try to take care of business before we start, mm -hmm. but sometimes, you know, it, it doesn't happen. Yeah. So okay. luckily I haven't been there. <laughs> <laughs> so I was uh, like kind of Googling some stuff and I found a YouTube video that was just like 2020 Dick Dakar, Ricky Brabeck, best footage. And it was just all helicopter footage of you riding and I'm just watching and it was really intriguing for me to watch like some of it look like your intensity level is a little bit lower and then some you're hauling ass and then there's another clip of you chasing a guy in the dunes. But when I think of rally, it's like, oh, hours on end of being alone and you know, scary and you know, you could die out there and everything. But <laughs> is there like a helicopter following you a lot of the time? Like, are you ever really truly alone? This was the first Dakar that I wasn't truly alone. Like all the other years, <clears throat> if you start a little bit far back, the chances of you catching the front, like the front group. So if you start first, for sure, two people are gonna catch you and then you'll be together. Yeah. But if you start back, sometimes you can have a 500 mile day and see nobody. Really? Yeah, and then the helicopter, um, obviously, you know, they're there to, to film. So they'll get a little shot of you here and there, but no, it's not like, it's not like a Mexico race where you have a helicopter like buzzing over you the whole time. Yeah. Uh, but the, the GPS units that we have on our uh, navigation tower, they're, they're really good. Um, they can tell if your bike has been, you know, leaned over for 30 seconds. Mm -hmm. And if, in, if your bike hasn't moved in three minutes, like they're, they're already okay. sending a helicopter. So it's safe. It, no, but it's <laughs> no, but they're aware, you know, like yeah, they, yeah. they know if your bike hasn't moved in three minutes and you haven't pushed any button, mm -hmm. then they assume, oh, you know, he's knocked out, mm -hmm. something happened and they're, they'll be there within eight minutes Yeah, because there's, Dude, this Dakar, I think we had like 12 helicopters like uh, spread out on the route. Mm -hmm. Like they're just, they're sitting there waiting, you know, for emergencies. Yeah. Wow. Wait, we're going to take another quick break. Yeah. Uh, we'll be back for one more segment with uh, Ricky Brevet. What's up guys, it's Brock Tickle and I'm getting things ready and lined up for 2020. I'm stoked to be with FXR this year. The gear is awesome, fits me well and the pants are the best fitting pants I've ever worn. Just the fit and how the panels are, it really does fit me really well. 
I'm preparing for my comeback season at Tampa Supercross for Ty Lube AEO Brock Tickle Racing. Don't try to be the fastest on the track. Be the fastest ever. Work harder than everyone else. Because dedication is everything. If they say your goals are crazy, be insane. Be fast. Be the crazy one. Be unstoppable. One goal, one vision. We have four colors right now. Retails for $28.95 at odigrips.com and of course, your favorite retailer. We put our heads together to both reimagine and lift the bar on what a modern motocross helmet should be. Opt for the highest level of modern technology and energy dispersion with the Fly Racing Formula helmet. Designed for an elevated defense against a wider range of real-world impact scenarios. Globally engineered with the most advanced materials and technologies available. Outfit yourself with proven technology, lightweight performance, and elevated impact management with the Fly Racing Formula helmet. Hey, welcome back to the Swap Moto Live Show presented by OGO Power Sports and FMF Racing. Here with Ricky Brabeck. Um, earlier, I alluded to the day at Milestone. Well, there's a couple days actually when you just blow by me on the motocross course on your full rally bike. Was that just uh, kind of a training thing for you to just ride that bike at all times and get used to it? So, yeah, I mean, I, I've been riding the rally bike almost for every every discipline of, of riding moto trails uh high speed you know anything just so i can feel i wanted to feel more natural on the bike you know sometimes or some racers only get to ride the rally bike at the race so mm -hmm. for me you know obviously they're they're a lot different than a motocross bike yeah so i was able to bring a rally bike home and yeah i go to the moto track you know you you want to know what your bike's going to do in every situation yes so motocross track you have ruts jumps uh mud you know, the desert, you have dry, slippery, mm -hmm. uh, single track. You, you know, you, you, you want to know what your bike's going to do in every situation. Mm -hmm. So the motocross track, obviously, I just go there to have fun. I don't, I don't train at the motocross track. Mm -hmm. I'll, I'll ride until I get arm pumped, then I'll pull over. Um, but, no, it's, it's pretty cool to, to ride the big bike on the track. It handles, you know, surprisingly really good. Mm -hmm. uh, and the plus side is when you're getting smoked by all these little kids, yeah. you got a fairing to hide behind so you don't get roosted <laughs> as bad. <laughs> oh man, um, 
How much fuel does the bike hold? The bike holds almost nine gallons. Okay, so chuck full to almost empty, it handles drastically different then, right? Yeah, correct. We Do you have to think about that when you're riding and approaching an obstacle? Like, well, it's early in the day, I got a lot of fuel. Yeah, for sure. When you're when you're completely full, and sometimes there's big stages where the bike is barely gonna make it. Um, you know, for instance, we, we had a 230 kilometer dune day before mm -hmm. refueling. We were full, 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 like to the max where the gas is dripping out. Yeah. I showed up with two liters. Two liters is half a gallon. Mm -hmm. So when you start in the morning full, you typically want to take it easy for about 30 minutes and burn down. You know, I, I burn down the front a little bit because the front's a little bit high. Mm -hmm. So I want that weight as low as I can. And the back tank, we sit on it, so it's low already. Mm -hmm. But yeah, you have to definitely be careful. And then when the bike's empty, oh, dude, you can moto the thing. It's so, it's so much lighter, I should say. Yeah. So when you were going to like a motocross track, you only put two gallons in? Yeah. Yeah. I take the, all, all the rear is empty and I put two gallons in the front. Really? Yeah. To weight the front in a little bit? Well, just the back, cause it's, it's a rally spec suspension. So it's kind of soft. Mm -hmm. And if I have fuel in the back on the motocross track, it'll, you know, will hit really hard. Yeah. So yeah, I just two gallons, check the gas every time I go out. But if you if you were full on a motocross track, oh dude, you on the landings of every jump, you'd see like a big skid plate drag. Yeah. <laughs> okay, so during the rally, um, I understand you only get like a small window at, at the end of each day to do some maintenance on the bike, right? No. Or is is overnight? Yeah. So in a rally, um, we have you know a normal day where the mechanics can work on the bike all night. Oh, okay. Then we have a, a day or a stage called Super Marathon. Mm -hmm. which super marathon is our bikes are basically an impound. We have 10 minutes to work on them and they're an impound in the middle of the desert, but we can sleep with our, our crew, our team. Mm -hmm. Then, then we have a day, then we have a day called marathon, which is we sleep remote out in the middle of nowhere. We don't see our team at all. We don't have any parts and we can work on our bike more than 10 minutes. Mm hmm but either way, uh, super marathon or marathon, we don't, I mean, what are you gonna work on your bike? We carry levers and like an exhaust mount. Yeah. So we can't really work on much, you know, we don't have extra rims or bars or anything. Mm -hmm. So typically you wanna, sh you wanna race, you know, you have a marathon day is day one and two with no maintenance. So you need to make your bike last for two days basically with no mechanics help and just, you have to really, take care of your motorcycle, you know, mm -hmm. cause you, you don't want to crash on day one. And then when you have no help, bent bars. yeah, you don't want to ride the whole second day with, you know, yeah, bent bars, broken tower, yeah. et cetera. So those two days, you know, so this rally we had two marathons. So it's four days where we were uh, riding bikes that were kind of not hurt, mm -hmm. but not fresh, you know? Yeah. So you have to really be careful. What about like air filters? Do you carry one with you? And yeah, we have it on those days. Yeah, we have an air filter, like a twin air. You know, we have like a guy that rolls it up. It looks like a little hot dog. Uh huh. Yeah, we zip tie it to our tower, but in a rally, um, it's not like Baja or Heron Hound where you're just fighting in the dust all day. You know, uh, mm. if you're in the dust in rally, you just back off and you know you just ride smart. Yeah. So normally, we don't change our air filters, but sometimes, yeah, if we need to. We'll pull the skin off and check it and then do a filter. Yeah. Okay, so at the end of the day, I'm sure you hydrate and you eat. 
is it like you're so beat tired just like out fall asleep or is it like there are times when you're struggling to get get your rest for some people it's it's hard um you know obviously we you know as an elite rider we start early in the morning and we're done the earliest mm -hmm. so we have some time to rest um this dakar i was never like super beat to where i needed a nap mm -hmm. but also this dakar was a new era we got our road book delivered to us in the morning, 25 minutes before we started on mm -hmm. six days. Mm -hmm. So when we get our road book the next day, it's really nice because we can go to the bivouac, is what we call like the main hub. Mm -hmm. We can go to, go to the bivouac and we don't have a road book to mark. We can just sit in the motorhome and relax and just hang out and talk. So having the road, having the road book delivered the next day is really relaxing. Mm -hmm. Then when we get the road book right after we finish, oh, you got three hours of looking through it, painting and yeah basically getting tired yeah uh what do you uh how do you fuel yourself like what do you eat at night and you, i'm sure you eat during the day right yeah so like yeah so we we leave at four in the morning sometimes mm -hmm. you know three fifty in the morning uh johnny was there helping me cooking breakfast for me and uh he would cook lunch for us when we got back to the bivouac mm-hmm and then for the nighttime, we would eat the bivouac food, which, I mean, if you follow my stories, it's not like the best. But uh, in the jacket, yeah, we carry like, I carried beef jerky, uh, peanut butter, some honey stinger waffle, mm -hmm. some gummy bears, uh, multivitamin pills, salt pills, some ibuprofen, just, you know, cause you're out there all day, dude, you don't know. Yeah. Um, sometimes it's not enough food. And then sometimes you don't even touch your food cause you don't have time. Yeah. So, you know, you've kind of said that this was a pretty smooth rally for you, like no crashes and how tired were you at the end? Was it just like, I mean, are you in such great shape that it was just like another race or is rally the most physically taxing thing of the year? Rally is, uh, it's difficult in a different way. Um, it's, not, it's not riding Supercross, it's not riding motocross, it's not riding Heron Hounds or Baja. Um, it, it's tiring in a different way as far as like you're mentally fatigued from reading the road book all day You're averaging four hours a night of sleep And then you're on a bike all day not you're not eating Close to how much you're burning, you know, so mm -hmm. at the end you get tired um, At the end of this rally. I wasn't fatigued as far as my body I just couldn't wait to get to the end and sleep without earplugs <laughs> Had to sleep with plugs because yeah, it, man, we the bivouac is a confined area. It'd be like sleeping in the Walmart parking lot every night yeah. with bike teams, quad teams, side-by-side -side teams, truck teams, trash truck teams, and just, dude, those guys don't show up till like eight o'clock at night. Then they got to grind their chassis, bang their skid plate with a sledgehammer, weld it back on. Dude, it's, it's all night you hear this stuff. So yeah, you have to sleep with your pugs and sometimes they're right next to you and you don't get any sleep. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Hey, last question. Um, when you come home from uh, Saudi Arabia, Dakar winner, first American rider to ever win, Honda rider who breaks KTM's, what, it's like 13 or 18 years? I think it's 18. 18 year stranglehold on the rally. What do you reward yourself with? Right when I got home, I had pizza and a couple drinks. <laughs> That's it? You didn't go buy a toy or something? Oh, dude, not yet. Not yet. I've been I've been busy since I've been home. On but this whole media tour coming down, yeah. painting the ass shows like this. Yeah, but for sure, um, I don't know. I need a vacation. Mm -hmm. uh, maybe I'll buy a side by side. I don't know. 
Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, cool, man. Whatever it is, you definitely deserve it. Thanks for coming on the show. It's an honor to have you here. Yeah, thank you. Uh, maybe I'll see you at uh, Santa's Village jumping mountain bikes again, huh? Oh, I cannot. W I get new bikes on Friday from Trek. I cannot wait to go to Santa's Village. And if, nice. you, guys, if you guys haven't been, you should go. Yeah. <laughs> right on, buddy. Yep. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you for coming on. Yep. Uh, yeah, so give Ricky Brabeck a follow on Instagram. Do you have a YouTube? Do you do all that stuff? No, no, Just I have no YouTube. Okay. Well, hey, check him out. Watch him next year in the 2021 Dakar Rally. Gonna go for win number two. And uh, yeah, check out swapmotorlive.com on the regular, put in your bookmarks, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>